Thanks for joining us. This is the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. We put out weekly messages from Pastor Dom to leave you encouraged and inspired. Check it out. Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody today. If you're joining us on the internet, we say welcome into the service. Well, today we start our 21-day fast. We're starting it at 6 p.m. And I just kind of want to just hit a couple highlights before we get into the, to the sermon. But um, remember, we have the fasting journals out there for you to take. It's free. It's yours. You don't have to return it or anything like that. It helps you maybe have some guidance for you as you go through the fast. And hopefully you are. I've been praying for everyone uh, to be part of this and really see God work. But let me just kind of sum up some things real quick. Remember, fast is to abstain from something. Most of the times you'll see in the Bible, it's food. Cover up your mouth. So first, let me encourage you to do that. Try to do something with the food. Now, what could that be? Well, it could be a meal or two meals. It could be dessert. It could be uh, drinks like sodas. Uh, you know, you will see God break you some, from some of these habits. You may have some bad habits. God can break you as you fast, but the fast is to draw you closer to God. That's the key to the fast. It's not using God as a vending machine, put something in and expect something to come out. God is just expecting us to get closer to him. Remember in scripture, Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. And he says also, when you fast, when you fast. There's a reason why God is saying when and not if. Now, fasting is not salvation. Doesn't mean if you don't fast, you're, you, if you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're still going to heaven. But fasting is for us for today. Amen. I just like to sum it up with this point here. We, we starve our body to feed our spirit. We starve our body to feed our spirit. Now, again, if you have a health problem or something like that, you may not have, you might not be able to do food, maybe for some reason. I encourage you to try to do food first, but you can do other things. Many things that have us, let's just be honest, and I always pick on Facebook, I always pick on social media, because people are addicted to that. So, um, so you break something, you stop, Facebook or whatever, but you're spending time with God. You're staying more in tune with God throughout the whole day, throughout the whole 21 days, and you will just continue to be filled with God. I got to tell you, many of us have done it. We do it every time this year, and it's one of the, it's one of the greatest things you can do. So take one of them things when you leave. Again, they're free for the take, and it helps you, give you a little direction, and, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to see God work. I believe it without a doubt. Amen? All right, Sermon on the Mount. We're back on it again. We're off and running. And, uh, you know, this is a long series without a doubt. It's three chapters, and we're still in chapter one. We got another Sunday before we finish on chapter one. But hopefully we're learning something. I got to tell you, I love, I love preaching and teaching the Word of God, but I really love studying the Word of God. It's really cool when you study it because God just reveals so much to you. It's like you're just going deeper and deeper. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, we got to remember what took place. Jesus just started teaching. He just started speaking to a multitude of people that just came to him. 
And it's kind of interesting because if you listen to the whole thing, you see the spirit of this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is redirecting them and saying, ah, you know, the way you've been thinking is not really right. <laughs> you know, you're only getting half of it. But uh, Jesus goes on to explain more to it. He explains, as you remember, the Beatitudes, uh, salt and light, divorce, murder, all these different points that he's bringing to, the, uh, to this multitude. It's important to hear that because as we go through this, this point here, you got to realize what has taken place. You got to understand the theme that's taken place. Amen? Okay. So our, our topic today is an eye for an eye. If you recall at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, I said, you're going to hear a lot of, um, I don't know if you want to call them cliches or if you want to, uh, you know, sayings that are out there in the world today that really come from the Bible. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, turn the other cheek. We're going to be here in a minute. But it came from the Bible. I often wonder where, some, where these sayings come from sometimes. You know, how do they originate? But a lot of them are coming from the Bible, but they're not really in proper text. People use them. They don't really understand what they are. And I'm going to venture to say this, that, that um, if you're not a Christian, you're not going to understand it. When we get through these next couple of uh, verses, you're going to say, I can understand why I said that. Even if you're a Christian, you might not have understood these couple verses. But we're going to explain them right now. We're going to kind of break it down a little bit. And it's in Matthew 5, verses 38 through 42. And again, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So it's verse 38 we start with. Jesus is talking to the people. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him, also, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. So here's what I'm saying here. If you look at that verse, them verses, you're going to say, it sounds like the description of a weak Christian. It really does. It's telling you all these different things, turn the other cheek, it's, you know, give them more than what they're asking for. It's almost like some type of passive or, or wimpy type of person that Jesus is describing. That's what you would take it as. I'm not going to turn the other cheek if someone does me wrong. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, that's the, the human part of us. So let's just break down verse 38. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Okay, Jesus is telling this group of people, you've heard this. You're getting it from the Old Testament, Old teaching, Old Testament teaching. And Jesus says, you've heard the way this is. Now, if you remember, as we've been going through this series, Jesus says this quite often. You have heard that it was said, but I say, he's bringing correction, not really not doing away with it because Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. But he's bringing correction, if you will. So he's quoting Old Testament stuff here. And he's talking about, he's telling these people, look, you know the principle of the law. You know that because you're hearing the law. But Jesus is saying, I want to tell you about the heart of the law. 
What's, what's the law all about? You know, sometimes we say certain things. We don't really mean it that way. We have another meaning. Jesus speaks in parables. He's, he's teaching us something, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So some of this stuff you got to understand and pull it all together. So in Exodus 21, verse 24, this is where he's saying, you've heard this said. It's, it's said here, right, in the Old Testament, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand and a, and a foot for a foot. And he goes on and he talks about this. So he's, he's, he's telling, look, you've heard this, but there's more to it. There's more to it. So Jesus begins to explain that what this commandment really meant. And it really means, as you, as you dig deeper, it really means it's talking about civil judgment, not the human relationship with people. See, if you read Exodus 21 in its entirety, you will see it's talking about a judge type of uh, uh, a law type of thing, if you will. Now, God was putting, basically, limits on punishment. See, you have to keep in mind that back in the Old Testament, there wasn't really much civilization was happening, but there was no type of um, authority. You know, so God was putting in the rules and regulations for people for life. You read the Old Testament and you begin to see that there's a lot of rules and regulations that you say, man, this is, this is pretty tough to live this way. But you're seeing basically, you're seeing a holy God. You're seeing the, uh, the requirements of a holy God. He doesn't, he doesn't bend, he doesn't sway back and forth. He says, this is the law. So these people didn't know a whole lot. They're coming from, from Old Testament teachings. And basically Jesus is saying, look here, you have to be just in your punishment, Mr. Judge. You know, punishment can't be too excessive. We would probably be excessive if we had to rule over someone who did something wrong. The punishment must meet the crime or must fit the crime. So Jesus is basically talking about, again, a civil type of judging here. But many of us take it out of context. And they took it out of context. They didn't bring it into their personal relationships. They actually took it as very literal, and this is what they're supposed to do. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We as people, we don't want equal punishment, really, let's be honest. We want over and above according to our judgment when somebody does you wrong. Somebody busts the windows in your car Replacing that window, ah, you want a little bit more than replacing that window. You want, you know, you want placing the wind, replacing the windows and maybe some a fine and things like this. This is human nature. But God is putting a cap on some of this stuff. See, people love to interpret the Bible the way they want to interpret it. They see it and they're in the, the life they're living and they're saying, well, wait a second, God's a loving God and they're going back and forth. But God is saying, no, here's the way it is. <laughs> this is the way it is. You may not like the consequences that God is saying. You may think it should be more, but God said, this is the way it's supposed to be. So we get back to needing to read the Bible as well as studying the Bible. Let's keep on going here because I hope you can see the spiritual, uh, the heart of what God is trying to say here. He's trying to say something here more than just the literal. Verse 39, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek Turn the other to him also. Now, again, we can look at this and we say, this don't make sense. 
Somebody hits me, I'm, sp I'm supposed to let them hit the other side. But here's the point. A, it was a slap, it wasn't a punch. And there's a difference here. See, the slap was, 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 um, was an, an assault, an, you know, insulting. You know, uh, it wasn't an attack. You ever watch like the Three Stooges and they would slap each other, that kind of stuff? They were just insulting. They weren't trying to, you know, beat up the person. But we insult people in different ways because you know why? We can't, I couldn't walk up to you and slap you in the face. I mean, then I would go before the judge. You know, I would get handcuffed nowadays. But the point really is, is we can't do that, but we have other ways of insulting people. I mean, we have plenty of ways, social media, laughing at them, talking behind their back, gossiping, going back at them. After they say something to you, you go after them. And we intentionally try to insult someone. But again, we can see the misunderstanding of scripture. If you're not getting the scripture, if you're not understanding what the heart of the scripture is, you're missing out on it. Now, Jesus is not saying to not defend yourself. I mean, Peter carried the sword. You know, these guys, they, he, he's not saying anything like that. God doesn't deny us of self-defense. He's not saying don't defend yourself. We're not talking about that. But what he's saying is, it's the insult we need to handle. We need to handle. Why is that? Why do we got to handle it so differently in the world? Because if you remember, we're called salt and light. We're called to be different as Christians. We're called to be different. We can't just be living like everybody else is living. So if we do something to say, you know, somebody insulted me and you just back off, you don't say anything, people say, well, Man, that's, that's the way God wants us to be. See, we know, and God knows, insults lead to offense. Offense goes to bitterness and anger and everything else. And that's not what God wants for us. Now, again, as salt and light, we need to understand that, yeah, we got to be different. When we're challenged in life, we got to be different. And if we're not different, well, we're just like the rest of the world. But he's not telling us to back off. Jesus is not telling us to, to stay away. Matter of fact, in James 4, 7, it says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, that's really a great verse right there when you see that. We're told to do something. If we need to get the evil away from us, we got to first and foremost, not resist the devil. First and foremost, we got to submit to God. And I think as we're going through the fast, you know, you're submitting to God, maybe like you've never done before. Then you resist the devil. And that submitting to God is going to help you resist the devil. That fasting is going to help you resist the devil. And the promise for all of us is that he'll flee. The devil will flee. But there's something here. And the point that I'm trying to say is we're not to, in a sense, resist evil in the world. You know, we, we should stand strong against some certain things like human trafficking. You know, we should stand strong against stuff like that. That is evil from the pits of hell, and we don't need to sit back and just let it happen. I'm just using that for an example because I don't want to take this, con this I, I want this um, verse to be in proper context and not in our own way. We need punishment in the world. There's a price to pay for evil. But civil justice is needed as well. And it's biblical. It's biblical. Yeah, we might, we might not like it if we're on the wrong side of it, but God had to, somebody had to put all this together and God did it all. 
because we're sinful people. So it doesn't mean that we, we don't fight against temptation. We need to defend ourselves against certain things like that. We know we need to do that. So again, don't take the context, don't take it out of context here. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Now, tunic was an undergarment, and then a cloak was a, you know, I guess you would probably call it a robe maybe over top of everything. And the point is being made here, okay? You, you want to take it literal or you want to take it however, but God is basically saying, you know, if, if someone wants to take something from you, give them a little bit more. That's different, ain't it? That's a really different way of thinking. We get into verse 41. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, we've heard that before. Go the extra mile. You know, go the, this is where it's coming from. Go the extra mile. But what does this mean here in verse 41? You know, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. What is the point that's trying to be made here? Well, here's the literal, literal point of it. The Romans, the Roman soldiers, they had authority to tell the Jews to carry their knapsack, their bags. And the Jews were required by law to carry it. So you can just, I can just set up a little, little scenario here, is that I can imagine a Roman soldier saying, hey, you Jew, carry my bags. That guy had to carry the bags. He had to carry it for one mile or a thousand paces. The, the law required him to do that. I can imagine, again, I'm just, I'm just kind of fabricating this in my mind, but if you read the scripture, you can see that the, the Romans and the, and the Jews didn't get along real well. I can imagine this guy counting out his 1,000 paces. There's your bag, soldier. I'm out of here. But Jesus is telling us to go the extra mile. Can you imagine if you go the extra mile when you're only supposed to go one mile and you don't want to go, go that one mile? Again, it's, a, it's a, a different way of thinking here. And we're seeing here that God is saying, go the extra mile. So the Jew, well, obviously probably didn't at that point. But the point really is, is God telling the multitude, go the extra mile. And they're, and they're probably still saying, man, I'm not getting this, but may, maybe it's all starting to come together just in these couple verses. But it's kind of like just another way of thinking that God, is, that God is bringing. The love of Jesus says to do good to him. It's an interesting concept without a doubt. And we're going to see more of that next week in uh, Love Your Enemies. That's going to be another tough one to get through. But again, it's a, it's a polar opposite of what we think, what we read, and maybe what we've been taught. Because you have heard it said. Verse 42. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You know, I think one of the best examples of this is Jesus. I really do. Looking at the cross, looking at what he did to get to the cross, you know, and he kind of he kind of went the extra mile and he basically he did and he gave what he didn't have to give and what he had to give. He didn't have to, but he did anyway. But you have to think about the, the cross and what took place, the slap, the, the, the hit. You know, he he took a slap, too. That verse slap back there meant the palm of the hand. Jesus also got the slap of the palm of the hand. It was an insulting. It was an insult to him. But he paid the price. I like how First Peter said it this way in verse 23. 
when they hurled their insults at him, Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judge, judges justly. Man, this is really something here. I mean, you could just break this down. You know, he didn't, he didn't go back with an insult to an insult. He could have. You know, he could have retaliated. He could have looked down from the cross and said, you guys, oh, one of you guys are burning hell. <laughs> you know, he, can go, he could have went after every one of them. He could have called down angels to come down. He could have said all types of things, but he didn't. He made no threats. Instead, he realized that God, God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God takes care of repaying. He says, God's going to take care of it. So again, a polar opposite of maybe the way we're thinking here in certain things. But we continue to dig into the scripture here. In Proverbs 24, verse 29, it says, Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay that man back for what he has done. You know, we want to pay back, and we want to pay back more. But God is saying, don't, don't pay back. Romans 12, 17 says, do not repay evil with evil. Do not repay evil with evil. This is, again, this is an opposite of what the world teaches us. The world teaches us, this person did you wrong. Now, you got to do them wrong. No, you don't have to do them wrong. But the, the people were probably thinking, but we're, we were told in the old law, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus is saying, wait, you're missing the spirit of the law. You're missing the heart, what God is trying to say in the law. You're just taking a piece of it without a full understanding. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be conformed, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Now, honestly, doesn't that sound a little backwards? I mean, that's not, that's not the way we're, we, the society is raising all of us. Society is not telling us to, you know, um, hey, you, you let it go. <laughs> you know, don't repay evil with evil. Society is saying, no, that person did you wrong. Now you make sure you do them wrong. And you know what? You got a right to do them wrong. God says, no, you don't have a right. See, we want to insult someone more than they insulted us. We want a punch instead of a slap. We want to counter sue. We want to do only what we have to do. We want to receive more than what we have been given. This is, this is a human nature. This is a sinful nature. It's just a nature that, you know, give me more. I want more. I want more. No, I want to get even. I'm going to make sure I get even. Oh, this guy punched me. This guy slapped me. He's got to come in for him. See, we're not, we're not called to do something of personal vengeance. We're not called to get vengeance on a person. That's God's work. And I'll say this, it's a tough way to live. It's a tough way to live because, I mean, just be honest. You know, somebody does you wrong, you want, you want to get even. You know, your mind does not go to, oh, well, I'll forgive this person, I'll let this person go. Your mind doesn't go that way. First thing that happens is your blood pressure goes up. And then your attitude goes up. Then you're laying in bed and you're thinking, how can I get even with this person? You know, you're having these, these arguments, these conversations going on in your head. It's a tough way to live. It's a tough way to live. It's, it's a struggle for us to do this. 
it's a struggle for us to turn the other cheek, to give our cloak. It's tough to do stuff like that. It's tough to forgive someone. It's tough to let, a, let an offense go. It's hard for us to let it go. But Christ is saying you got to let it go. Why? Because you're salt in life. Why? Because you're different and you got to act different. So it's a lesson that we all learn. And it's really about our heart. It's about, a, it's about our heart. It's not like a human, it's not like a human idea. It's a divine idea. It really is. And how does that happen? We can stand at this point. I'm wrapping up. How does that happen? How can that take place in our heart? If you have Jesus in your heart, then it can take place. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, that's why I get back to, you probably won't even understand these verses. It really doesn't make sense. You look at it from the human perspective and not from the godly perspective or what God was trying, the point that he was trying to make there. But God's a loving God and he's a forgiving God. He loves every one of us and he forgave every one of us. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's a gift from God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nothing you can do. This fasting isn't going to make God love you more or less. This fasting isn't going to get you saved. The only way you get saved is realizing you're a sinner. You're asking God for forgiveness. And then you're asking him to come into your heart and be Lord of your life. That's salvation, and that's the free gift. All this other stuff, God is teaching us how to live on this earth. And he's using himself as an example. He gave his life for you. He loves you. He says, don't think like the world thinks. Know what I'm trying to say. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each person here today. Lord, I pray as we begin this fast, Lord, Father, you would just speak to each and every one of us like never before. We used that verse last week. When they prayed and fast, the Holy Spirit spoke. And Lord, I pray that for people, that they would just hear you like never before. I pray for it to be a new beginning spiritually in their lives, to go deeper and deeper with you. Lord, I pray for this, uh, this uh, sermon today, Lord. Lord, that we need, to, we need to not only act like salt and light, but we are salt and light. We need, to, we need to live like salt and light. We need to live different than the world. We need to turn the other cheek. You know, we need to walk that extra mile. People need to see who we are, or I should say, whose we are. And I thank you for it. Father, I pray blessings over each person today. Bless them, bless their families. And Lord, again, guide and direct us as we begin the 21-day fast today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. We hope you leave this feeling encouraged, inspired, and a little bit closer to God. If you like what you saw here, leave us a like, a comment. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, you can send us an email at connect at perryhall.life.